we've all had those thoughts of not being good enough, not really thinking that we're capable, all while others are looking at us with no doubts in their minds at all about how amazing and capable we really are. Hey Slay Nation, it's Heather, co-founder of So She Slays. In this episode, Chauncey and I interview Dr. Monica Shaw, a doctor, model, and most recently, she was on the Bravo show Family Karma. We talk about being on reality TV, the struggles with pressures, and ultimately finding confidence through it. Dr. Monica Shaw, please tell us who you are and make sure you understand she's a doctor, by the way, guys. So just know that. <laughs> so yeah, Chauncey said it right. Uh, I am a doctor. I am a first generation um, Indian. I live in Florida and I just recently graduated my rheumatology fellowship. So I'm super thrilled about that. It's a big accomplishment um, for me. And I am a fashion model. So add that. And then most recently I was on reality television. <laughs> so, you know, just, you know, just, just all of it. No big deal. It's called multi-hackening. Like you're like, I was this, I'm a doctor. Oh, and I was on reality TV. Like <laughs> just like, put that, not just any reality TV. Just planting she was on Bravo. She was on yeah, Bravo guys. Like not Bravo. just like, not like we TV or something like I'm talking about Bravo. So yeah. yeah. Bravo, Bravo. Yeah. Bravo family. That's correct. Yes. How was the experience? I just have to ask. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to tell us anything to get you in trouble, but like, no, no, no. How, was how was it? Cause you <laughs> handle it really well. I watched the show, by the way, I was, a, I'm you. a fan. Oh, so you, you um, were great. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Um, it was a whirlwind. I can't say like being in front of the camera was new to me. So that probably wasn't the most um, anxious, you know, part of the experience. I think for me, it was uh, putting a very personal part of my life out in public. Um, that was definitely the harder step to take. Um, so in that realm, I think that's where the challenge was for me. Um, Cause I am a pretty open person. Um, you know, when it comes to my relationships, my friendships, all of that. Um, but when you're, you know, now involving millions of people into this, into the mix, it switches it up a little bit. Um, but the experience itself was, uh, I take it as a positive one. It was a learning experience. I learned a lot about myself, um, just about how to navigate relationships with people I don't know, people I do know. Um, and that the biggest learning lesson I think was that, you know, it's okay to not be for everyone. You're not for everyone. And I think that was like my biggest take home from that whole experience. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, you do not have to be everybody's cup of tea. Let me just know. And you shouldn't be, you really shouldn't be everyone's cup of tea. Can you imagine trying to like bend yourself to fit everybody's standards of who you think you should be? Oh, that was, and I, and I was like, you know, I went in and I went in with the mentality is I'm going to be true to myself because they can't put words in my mouth. Um, mm -hmm. They can only take words out. So everything Smart. I said, I, yeah, everything I said, I meant, um, you know, I said it with conviction, how it comes across to the person on the outside is I can't control. No, but, exactly. Um, I, you know, whatever, whatever little people saw or the cuts and pieces that people saw, um, I said at some point along the way. And I just hope, you know, with, I knew there's going to be two ways, right? It could, the blessing is that you inspire people, people can relate to you. People can kind of see themselves as like being that girl in that position. 
Um, and then the beast is like, you're going to get some backlash because people are going to disagree. And I knew that going in. So when I trained my brain to kind of just accept the fact, then I, you know, I was like, I am, this is my journey and how it ends up and how it comes across is, um, is not up to me at the end. Way to mentally prepare yourself. Especially for reality TV. So one question, would you ever do reality TV again? Uh, I never say never and I never say always. So (laughs) I am, you know, if it's like, this was, this was an organic scenario that happened because of just my personal life. Um, So if it, if it happens in that, in that realm of light, or if there's something that is a greater serving a greater purpose for myself, then absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And then also just to say, before we get into like, you know, everything else about Dr. Monica, the thing about watching that show is that like, you were so true to yourself. And like, I saw like myself looking at you. I was like, she's not taking any BS from anyone. She's gonna make sure that she's a kind hearted person, but she's gonna make sure she has her own standards and you kept to your standards. And that's everything I think, you know, women should aspire to be like, you have standards. So don't try to appease everyone. And, but the thing is you show empathy at the same time. So I think that it's really hard to navigate, especially on TV. But like I saw, you and I was like, yeah, I'm that girl too. Like I have my own standards and I have my own life, but I have to make sure that like, I do care about the person and people, but I have my own respect for myself, which is great to see on TV, especially on Bravo. So it was great to see that as a strong woman, especially a woman of color, bringing her own self Mm -hmm. and her true self to film, but also making sure that like, I have my own life. I have standards. Like, you're not going to just try to switch the narrative on me. So I appreciate that about your show and everything that you're a part of. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I always say, you know, stay kind, but take no shit. So yes. there, there, there is a way, there is a line you can that can be drawn. And, um, you know, speaking up for yourself in, in a lot of the backlash I got was, oh, wow, you're demanding, needy, high maintenance, whatever. But I say that's, those are boundaries of, and that's boundaries of self-respect for myself. So that's how, you know, and that's, you know, again, there's two, there's two ways this can be taken. Um, but I see that. And I hope that to inspire people that like, those are boundaries of self-respect, not anything yes. else. And that's all that matters. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So we want to talk a little bit more about, um, this thing it's, I mean, it can fall under imposter syndrome. It can fall under the fact of not being enough or not thinking that we're capable enough of certain things in our lives. And I feel like all three of us can definitely touch on this topic based off of life experiences. Um, what, like, what do you think? Like, what, what, I guess, what happened in life that you thought you weren't capable of? What were, what were some of the things that you maybe were insecure about? Um, growing up, definitely being a, you know, being an Indian girl in a community that was pretty Caucasian heavy. I think being that I didn't look like everybody else was definitely a struggle for me. I didn't even, you know, I was so young at the age where I didn't even see it as an insecurity. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew that I, I didn't fit in. I didn't look like the girls. I didn't dress like the girls. My body type wasn't like the girls, let alone my skin color. Um, The foods I ate at lunch were different from everyone else. So just the soul, like just getting down to the bear of like not fitting in period. And that truly was a struggle. 
for me, it was like a body image thing, a self-confidence, everything. And that kind of, I carry that with me for a really long time. It, it haunted me in middle school, in high school. And it really wasn't until like college that I met other Indian people um, in a school environment. I mean, I definitely had Indian friends outside, but like college, I was like in, like I had a group of Indian friends that I went to school with. So now we were immersed within more Caucasians, but like I had a group of friends um, in that environment that I kind of started to be okay with being Indian and, and eating the stuff I ate. Did you feel like growing up, okay, because you and I have very, very similar stories. I had this, I had the same thing, uh, very Caucasian heavy. Um, I'm half white, half Chinese, it, but I, you know, I look more Chinese and more Asian. And so I, nobody else looked like me either. Did you feel when you finally got to college and you had like that group of Indian friends that you were just like, oh my gosh, something was missing your entire life. And you're like, I definitely, oh yeah, I definitely wish I had that group growing up. I think it would have made it a little bit easier for me to accept who I was as a person, period. Um, and I wish, yeah, I wish that was like, a, I wish that happened sooner for me. Um, but that didn't erase the self-confidence issues, right? Like it just made me feel comfortable being Indian, but I still dealt with self-confidence issues for, I mean, I, who does, I still sometimes every day, you know, every day is different. Every day is like, I love me. I'm like, oh, what's going on? So it changes, it fluctuates, but I'm really, really, truly feeling like confident in who I am as a person, like looking in the mirror. I can't say like that didn't happen for me until like four or five years ago. Wow. Really so what, cha what changed? I mean, did you not think that you were capable of confidence or like, I mean, how did that switch? Um, you know, the switch I feel happened when I decided, and, and this is, you know, this is a good and a bad thing, I guess, but I really took that next step when I entered a beauty pageant to like step out of my comfort zone. Like I, I signed up, my friends were doing it and I was like, I have nothing to lose. Like I didn't, I didn't think I was going to win. I, I should have went in with the winning mentality, but I was still struggling. Right. So I'm not like, oh, I'm going to win this. Like I went in truly to do something to say that I stepped out of my comfort zone and I was going to walk that away. Was brave in itself. That's, that is wild. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, you're a brave one. Was, I'm just not that girl. Like I never, you know, I never saw myself as that girl on that stage or, or doing anything like that. I looked up to those people, but I could never envision myself doing it. So when I had friends doing it, it made it a lot easier for me to take the step. So I signed up and I went through the process and I was truly myself throughout the whole thing. Cause I just didn't know how to be anything different. Um, I wasn't like coached Like I didn't have a pageant coach. It was my mom. And that was so great. Cute. But I didn't, you know, people really like invest time into this and it's like kind it of, it's a, it's a process. But for me, I was just like, let me try something new. I have nothing to lose. And if anything, I have a great experience. Like I, I can say I did something. Um, but I ended up winning that. And I think that in itself, like triggered something for me, like, wow, like you thought you could do this and now you're, you know, like you won. Um, and the bad, the, why I say it's bad is that it is external, right? Like, so now people are believing you. So you want to believe in you. So that's why I say it was good and bad. Like I, the good was that I made, I pulled that first plug and I decided to do it. Um, and the bad was that I relied on the external feedback to kind of 
boost my self-esteem, if you will. Yeah. Which is hard. I mean, because when you're not, when you yourself don't believe it and you're relying so much on outside forces, I mean, those outside forces can be fickle and then it can just drop, you know, in a second and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're left to pick up the pieces and, you know, then your self-worth is attached to something outside of you rather than in. So how did you fix that? Are we still in the process of fixing it or? Again, yeah, still every single day is a process for me. I, you know, that was like that first step I needed to believe in myself that I was capable of doing it. Then my next obstacle after that was, that was during medical school, getting through medical school. I can tell you, I was in tears more than I was happy throughout the process because I'm like constantly putting extra pressure on myself. I was super hard on myself when I you know, barely pass an exam. I'm like really psyching myself out. Like this is maybe not made for, like maybe this is not the path I'm supposed to be on. So psyching myself out throughout that process, um, that was another step where I'm like, I have to believe that I can do this. And again, I got I got that external support though from my fa- friends and family. And I think that was vital to get through that aspect. Um, and in the end, you have to go back and realize you did the work. They mm-hmm. didn't go to medical school. You went to medical school. You just had their support. So then that, and that ignited another fire where I believed in myself again. I wasn't, I didn't think I was capable. Yeah, I needed some push and some support on the outside, but I, again, put in the work. I just had to believe that I could do it. What made you get in this field? Like, this is a big, this is a huge field. Like, tell people more about it. Like, yeah, you're a doctor. That's a hard, that's a hard career to get into and like the path. And like, you're a career that does, that's hard, girl. That's hard. I can literally tell you, I finally took like a first big breath like two weeks ago. Like, it has been (laughs) for this long. I took my last board exam two weeks ago and I can finally breathe uh, for a little bit until I find out what happens. But um, it's been like non it's been nonstop. So I originally thought I was going to go into uh, mass communications, which is, I did end up getting a minor in that, but that was like my, my goal initially in college, but my come from a family of physicians, none of them, which pressured me into doing this. It's just what I was known and exposed to all of my life. I went on a mission trip with my dad. And that's when I kind of had like this epiphany moment where I'm like, I think I'm supposed to do something bigger. And, um, I really enjoyed being there and interacting with these people that were in need of help, but even more grateful for the help and just seeing what we were capable of doing. However little it was, it was magnanimous to them. And then I, I kind of just, that was my moment where I'm like, you know what, this is really something I can see myself doing. Um, and I kind of changed paths when I came back and I took the test to get into to school. And let me tell you, medical school was the hardest challenge of my life. Like I, I'm so, I'm I don't just, doubt it. <laughs> I don't even doubt that at all. So like truly I didn't do it for the clout or the title or whatever the, the glam or the lifestyle or whatever people think, you know, doctors are, or doctors do it for. Because if you don't actually want to be a doctor, they can weed you out so fast. And that whole process is so gruesome. Um, You literally put your life on hold. You literally put your life on hold and it becomes your life. Like getting through school became my life. And so, you know, for anyone that wants to do it, you really have to want to do it. 
And what is your specialty for people who do not know that? Yeah, I'm a rheumatologist. So I deal with autoimmune conditions. Um, so why did you pick that one, that specialty? That one for a few different reasons. I actually ended up finding a mentor in my residency that I really looked up to. And she happened to be a rheumatologist. And I really loved the way, first and foremost, that she had a relationship with her patients. For me, that's absolutely vital and something I lacked in a hospital setting. So when you're in a hospital, you're in there for a few days and then you get discharged. In rheumatology, we're primarily outpatient. So we, we kind of act as your primary care doctor, if you will. And none of the conditions can be treated. So we're treating you lifelong. We're just get, providing you therapy to help you live your life to the fullest, if you will. Um, so seeing her have these relationships with her patients, really knowing them inside and out, not only talking about like being robotic and talking about medicine, but we're talking about life and experiences. And it just became so personable to me. And so that was something I really gravitated towards, knowing that I'm going to build these relationships lifelong. Um, and then not only do I love, you know, what rheumatology can offer, it's just a blossoming field of medicine. There's, there's like so many different medications and therapies out there that people are just living, living life. And you don't even know that they have, are dealing with anything autoimmune. Um, and then work-life balance for me as a woman, I know I want to be, uh, you know, a, a wife and a mother, and I want to like do all those, I want to have those roles and I don't want to sacrifice that. So for me, having that work-life balance was also important. And that was the field of medicine that provided that for me as well. So what are some of the pressures you deal with as a female in a male-dominated industry? Oh, every, every day, <laughs> every day. Um, give us some tea, girl. Give us some tea. So Tell us. Really, you know, I, the stigma is broken a little bit, but it's still around. Um, being a young, primarily young female physician, um, the older generation is, you know, they still hold you to a lower standard. Mm. And, you know, if they don't mm -hmm. see care or you're not their age, you know, who are you? What do you know? So that, and then, you know, for whatever reason, being female automatically makes you a nurse or, or, yes. you know, medical a, assistant, medical assistant. And and, and great. Obviously we need all of them as well. But when you come in and you introduce yourself time and time again, I say, hi, I'm Dr. Shaw. I'm here to take care of you today. You know, we'll go through and I'll spend time with these patients because I know they're a little on edge with seeing someone new or seeing me. Um, and I go through, explain everything as detailed as I possibly can, make them feel comfortable with the whole, um, you know, with the visit. And at the end, they'll still be like, okay, so when do we see the doctor? So it's, you know, and it's like, well, I, I am the doctor. We just spent here minutes together. Um, <laughs> So every day it's, it's having to prove yourself and prove that you're cap just as capable as them. So that's an everyday constant. What are some of the, I guess, self-talk that you give yourself in those moments? Because I can imagine yeah. that creating. Yeah, it is. Um, you first got to take a big like sigh under behind that mask and just be like, okay, we're doing this again. It's time. Um, but here we go. yeah, here we go. Let's go. Um, but for me in those settings, I kind of take it as a challenge that, you know, if I can make their visit something that they didn't anticipate initially with me, if I just take the time out to explain what's going on, make them feel comfortable, bedside manner is absolutely essential. Um, make them feel comfortable, answer all their questions. Um, 
then I've changed one person's mind and they'll now feel comfortable with any other place they go to, maybe seeing someone younger, seeing someone different. So at that point for me, I'm like, okay, take this as a challenge because once you change their minds and their mentality, you're, you're benefiting a lot of other people and a lot of other experiences that they're gonna have for themselves. So I kind of take it as like a selfless thing because I know I'm gonna benefit them in the long run with their other experiences, maybe with other physicians, but also for their next visit with me potentially. Um, they've, I've now earned their trust and I think earning the trust of your physician is important and we all should take on that role that trust is earned not given especially when it comes to like the care of, of like my own health for example yeah I love that I love that because as someone who goes to the doctor a lot because I'm an accident prone myself Heather knows this I'm always falling and everything yeah don't get me started I'm always injured like <laughs> like legit always injured um I have noticed when I have a good physician I feel safe with and I feel like it's like I can trust them and if I've had bad ones it just ruins your day like you're just like I don't feel seen I don't feel heard so being in this field especially we're talking about ah, I can't even say that word RA okay like, like, you know the other terms I've known the streets mm-hmm. RA how do you feel being also young but being a woman of color like that's a lot like you are too like you're young you're young you're a female and a woman of color how do you how do you deal with all that that is like yeah that's like the the trifecta yeah that's the trifecta that can be used against me Um, and again it's that older generation that I see it with more than than other you know other people for example but um I've you know I've been told get out of the room like I you're not like you're you're not white like I've literally been told this like um, maybe not in that, those exact words, but it's like, oh, like, the I don't notion. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable. Like, no offense to you, but like, so much. No offense, but you know, it's a little all offense. the offense. But, in the and, you, and you're in Florida too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so again, in those, in those instances, like, again, take a deep breath. It isn't the first rodeo, but it definitely is frustrating in those aspects. But when you're told that you don't want to be seen, you you don't you don't go back. Out of respect for the patient, you have to bite your tongue and just they're there for their care, and they'll you just find the next person that could potentially take care of them. But again, uh, before they try to like remove me from the situation, I do say my little spiel of like, you know, I'm if you give me an opportunity to take care of you, I'll make sure all your questions are answered. Will you know? I will be doing the same thing as my colleague. Um, and if you'd like, I mean, I'm already in the room so we can just expedite the process. I just don't know how long you're going to wait for another physician to be in the room. So, we, you know, it's, it, you have to kind of, unfortunately say those, say it's reality though, right? Like you're going to wait. Maybe but it's your, you're your own advocate. You have, you have to, to be your own, you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. You literally are just like a walking billboard for yourself. Um, <laughs> and you, great. you have to like go in there and some of them are like, okay, well, like, I don't actually want to be, because they think like, oh, if, I, if you leave the room, someone's going to walk right in. That's not how this works. It never works. Like, already, and I love, <laughs> so wait I, already. I'm here. Let me handle this. Or someone else can in two hours, you know? I love that you said that because on this podcast, like the three of us are women of color. 
and we've yeah. all are in different industries. Like I'm in tech, Heather's in film, and you're in medical. Like we all have the same experience, different fields, but we all have been doubted because we're women, we're young. And not only that we're young, but we look young. Yeah. Like, like I'm in my 30s. Like people think I'm still young and Heather looks like she's a child and you look like you're still a child. So like, we're just looking youthful, which is amazing. Who does that? But to, be, <laughs> to, be, to be a woman of color, even like you all have the same experience. It's just this different industries. And that is just tells you that like, we need people need to change the narrative of how they see us, exactly. which is very important. Which is and why then, those conversations I have, if they give me a chance, just give me a chance. If you, if you don't like it then you don't have to come back you know like you can see someone else <laughs> but just maybe there's a percentage that I can change your train of thought and that, that'll change the narrative for them going forward well and then <clears throat> in that you end up kind of changing the status quo yeah you know in, in challenging them to maybe think a little bit differently or give you five minutes mm-hmm. if you don't like it you can leave and exactly. go forth uh, unfortunately in my industry and in Chauncey's industry it doesn't quite work that way. Um, they I don't need us. I can't leave. <laughs> We're not saving lives. <laughs> We're not saving lives. Not like we, we are saving something. Right. <laughs> like if I, I'm pretty sure if I needed something technologically, you know, like we're, I'm, we're I'm, got I'm, you. I'm like, help. We, like anything like social media, or tra- I, I will be your oh, friend. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> like I would, but medical, like, like my broken ankle, that's all on you. Like I'll just be like, right. oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> how are you but I love that so were there any cultural pr- pressures that you felt you know from like family your community like it's a lot of cultural pressures for anyone but like you know yeah. for women for people of color we have a little bit more different than some right. other you know people Absolutely. I mean especially let you know not let's address the elephant in the room Indian people are just known for the stereotype to be doctor lawyer engineer like it is what it is yeah. um, that's what you're expected to be um, I didn't feel any pressure though, because, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I can't speak for a lot of people in my position. Like, I think there's still a lot of traditional families that have that mindset. Um, but my father is a physician. I grew up with physicians. Um, and they just, they wanted me to find a career that I was going to be happy in and fulfilled in. Um, and they never pressured, put pressure on me. They never um, forced it upon me. They never expected or like, you know, made passive aggressive comments, nothing like that. I found it, I found it my way on my own. And I think that's what I love about it is that I truly knew I wanted to do it. And yeah, you weren't forced into it. It's different when you're forced because then it's like, how do you actually know? Right. Yeah. And I think when you're forced into it, you're less likely to actually succeed in the end. Because like I said, the schooling is so gruesome. Like you really have to be dedicated to wanting to do it because you're like, hi, you're going to put your life on hold for, you know, two to four years. Like who's okay with that if they really, you know, don't want to do it. And so I've had so many friends of mine and even just classmates, like not, not see past first semester because they just realized, you know what, this is like, not exactly what I thought it would be or not exactly what I realized I wanted to do anymore. So um, I thankfully did not feel the pressure, but does that, stereotypes still exist absolutely yeah I know I mean like um for Asian like Chinese Asian people in general like I mean doctor lawyer anything that's going to be stable quote unquote right um so I mean that pressure I've totally felt um Mm -hmm. whether it be 
But it's like, it's, here's the thing. It's like not necessarily family. Sometimes it's people know, um, or aunties, uncles, that kind of stuff that, I mean, I don't know about you, but like in, in the Asian culture, in my Asian culture, like aunties and uncles aren't always related to us. Um, Oh yeah, me too. He's an auntie and uncle. (laughs) Yeah, we have cousins. But we're not related to anybody. Exactly. I was like, I I think it's a I think it's a PLC thing. Like, oh, that's my cousin. That's my auntie. We have no relation. I've never met this person since I was like five, but we're just my quite mom's close. Friends, friends, friends. <laughs> yeah, it's like my mom's uh-huh. best friend from high or school. That's just exactly. so that's my auntie. Eggs. Exactly. Yeah. How do I explain? She'll be at my wedding. She'll <laughs> be yeah. at the wedding. Yeah, yeah. she'll be at the wedding because we know. Her. Yeah, but I haven't I haven't seen her since I was four years old. But she's at the but wedding. But that's your auntie so and so. So yeah. she's yeah. got to be there. You can't she not invite her. Like, I think it's a peel really season. So <laughs> I oh feel my gosh. like okay. we've all been there. Totally different no. tangent, but uh, <laughs> yes, you can definitely get those those pressures from people um, just based off of your own community, your own uh, POC community, mm-hmm. um, because you know whether it's slipped into conversations or like people are talking about so and so who's a lawyer and so and so who's a doctor, and then you know, it's, it's implied pressure. It, it, no, it is that, that like secondhand pressure is there's, there's no way out of it. It's like, it's going to happen. Like no matter where you go. And even then, like, they still like, they still like turn it up a notch as of recent. And it's like, oh, well, my daughter did this and got into this oh, program. Yes. And like my mom will come home and, you know, my mom just kind of blows it off. Like, are we really doing this again? And so she'll be like, oh, be so funny because like, this auntie came up and told me that, you know, her daughter, and I'm like, yeah, mom, I know her. I talked to her like, cool. like, you know, it, it's competition. It's competition. It, it's really, and I've just, I've tuned it down. You have to tone it down and like turn it off and just like, that is just how they're going to operate. And I've just realized that like, you are never going to be good enough for your auntie, but I don't care about that. Never. Like, never. I don't care about that. Like, if I'm making myself proud and I'm making most importantly my parents proud and like I'm doing what I want to do, then like honestly, screw the auntie and whatever. like you know, I love that because like you ever- because you know now everyone's like oh we saw you on TV we saw you on TV but before it'd be like if I wanted to like pursue that and that just wasn't something that you know happened then it would be like oh well are you sure like the, you know so they want to be proud of you after you're successful doing it always okay like people always say where were you when I was at the gym by myself like I was doing all this hard labor but now we're like oh hey I saw you no I've been doing this for years I've been a doctor I've been in I've been an actress I've been doing this but now you're like hey guys welcome back do you also feel cultural pressures in your personal life because we're at the age now that we're like so you have are you the career like I'm the career friend yeah I'm the career friend I like so my group of my friends I'm the career one Heather's the career friend too that's who we are and not because we like I don't feel bad about being a career friend but your friends and family like oh so Chauncey when are you gonna get you know have a kid and get married luckily no one might fit my parents and the woman they know better it's just because they they know know better. better They don't care. Like this, my mom's like this. Whenever it happens, it happens. Like no one pressures. Like no one pressures me. In my family. It's your friends or aunties yes. that you haven't seen in forever, or neighbors, or like, hey, is Chauncey gonna get married? Do you ever feel like mm-hmm. that way to have like that time, that ticking time bomb? I call it. Absolutely. Um, 
every day, like all the time. And the aunties are probably the bigger of the culprits. Yes. Um, my group of friends, we're all in the same boat actually right now. We're all very like career driven, career forward. And we're still open to receiving, you know, love and relationships and whatnot, just the right ones. And so, um, but when that's not, you know, if that's not going the way it should be going, I'm still, I still have my career and I'm still chugging forward. So I'm still doing something. Um, so absolutely. Have I like initially growing up again, this was the mindset. So I didn't have these conversations and these conversations weren't normalized when I was growing up. Like it was, oh, you get married by this stage and have a kid by this stage. Like that's what people were talking about. And that's what I saw my cousins like doing. Everyone was married by 24 and their first kid by 27. And I was like, what? Like, and so, and then of course they're like, you know, it'll be perfect because you were 10 years old when we got married. So our kids will be 10 when you get married. That ship has long sailed. They're all like seven <laughs> now. And, um, you know, but I've had to, I've had to like retrain my brain to be like, this is okay. So initially I was one of those people that was like, oh, I have to stick to like this general timeline. Um, but I've had to change and accept like where my life is and, and appreciate that this is like how it is working for me right now and that there are other, you know, opportunities and blessings in store. Um, so I don't think I've missed out on life because I've accomplished so much on one, one realm. Um, and I think that the right person will just like my dad says and my parents say like yours to Chauncey, it'll happen when it happens. Exactly. And I love that people like our parents like now are just like, you know, it's going to happen once they're happy. There's no, there's no society pressure. And I think even my friends who are married or, or have kids like on their third mm -hmm. kid, they're like, you're so lucky. Like you're not like stressed about like, you know, your family. I'm like this. Yeah. Like I have, you know, I live in California. Like if I'm going to get with someone, it has to be like someone who's stable and have money. Like yeah, we both have to be on the grind. Okay. That's so because funny. we both can't be broke like we one of us can't we both have to be with money I like, we live in California but... I mean I see no I hear nothing wrong with anything <laughs> everyone's like oh well, don't you want to marry for like I want to marry for love of course but we both have to be on the grind because we right. live in California it doesn't yeah, matter where like... you live it doesn't matter where you live <laughs> it's, it's just expensive important. everywhere it's, it's expensive. important financial yeah. stability career stability is important and that also yeah. needs to those conversations need to be normalized and people think it's so mean, like, oh, well, you know, they're just trying to find their way. Yeah, I was trying to find my way, too, at 21. At 21, I'm in my 30s now. Like, it's hustle. Step it like, up. Yeah, like, like, thank you. Because how did I have a conversation all the time like this? Yeah, well, that's I want a career. on television for me. So, yes. it, you know, it, it, I'm trying to normalize having those conversations at any point in your relationship. Six months, yes. two months, whatever. If you I know birthday you, know, you idealize the life you want and you are are you know strong in that and you you know with conviction like this is the life I I pictured for myself and I you deserve I myself and I deserve absolutely um then I'm gonna tell you these I'm gonna have these conversations with you um because I'm I'm in it for longevity I, you know what's the point yeah well exactly. I thought I mean Look, I never, ever, and he, this goes for guys too, because I know some guys are going to be like, yeah, well, you know, the reverse. I, I see women who, you know, have the same problem that we're saying that we see in guys. Um, and I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with just stating what you want and what you're looking for from the get go. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to 
you know, people in dating and marriage are like, oh, well, don't show your cards all too soon. And this, this show my this. cards. Like, <laughs> stop that. Like, that's, oh you're just wasting goodness. people's time now. Don't waste my I time. Mean, if you are, you are at an age, I'm not saying if you're 20, um, you know what? You know what? No, I'm going to backtrack that because even if your ass is 20 or 21 or 19 or whatever, and you walk up to a dude, you're like, look, uh, I want a relationship. I don't want to just mess around, blah, blah, blah. Like good for you for knowing what you want and saying yes. it. Um, right. And that's a lesson that I think we should take as adult women. We should definitely do that. Men themselves too. You should just say what you want so that you can wasting time. Need. I mean, time is the one thing that we don't get back. No, I haven't I, got time back at all in my life. And I'm very upset about the people I waste my time on. Right? So, yeah. But you have to be careful because you'll say what you want. And I've experienced this firsthand. People will say, yes, 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 yes. And then when they realize it's getting too serious, they'll be like, oh, just kidding. And you're JK. like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. I think you're on the same page until you're not. But absolutely, like, I am that girl. I, I think everyone should be that person because it's, again, it's not it's not being demanding it's boundaries like i think that it deserves a different term in it normalizing and having those conversations and it being okay no matter at what point in the relationship you're in should be fine like i got a lot of backlash saying i would never have those conversations in six months or oh my god that's crazy Tom. what are we doing Who in six months that? i'm just no. like i kind of know like i know what i want so like why would i not what I we do we owe it to ourselves to state what we want in our on our pizza in our life like wherever like on everything <laughs> in, in, in every sense of the word I mean if you know what you want then what is the whatever what are we doing I think that's like a lot of people's <laughs> problem though is that they don't know what they want and that's yeah. where they, that's like where shit falls apart that's where you're just out there in limbo waiting for so-and-so to call you and yeah. you know, you've been on red for the last three weeks like I- a pariah on the internet okay people are being pariahs on the internet I tell people all the time if you're going online dating do not you have to be fully killed within yourself because I want a pariah on my messages bothering me yes do not like, I have a career person I know my career like I Heather knows it's like I focus on work I focus on school yeah but if you're gonna be in my life you need to add something to my life absolutely rather than taking away from my life because yes of course I have cultural pressures for my family life you know just friends but I want to make sure that if we're together we're adding something we're building something because I am way too old and way too tired and way too fed up at this tender age to be bothered with someone who's like who's wasting my time and their mom's time like this is annoying to me yeah, and I know I, it's terrible. No, it's it's it, those are hard facts because I I was that girl that didn't know I didn't know myself enough to like ask yeah. those things. So I was in the wrong relation. I stayed too long in the wrong relationships. For girl, right there with you. A long <laughs> time. I stayed in something I should have left. You know, year one maybe instead of year five. So yeah. like because I just didn't know that I deserved better. I didn't know what I wanted. I was just in a safe place. But I think getting out of that safe zone, when you know that it's no longer serving a purpose, you're not growing, you're not happy, um, then there's a greater reward than sticking around because you're just going to be in this stagnant 
miserable place for like such a long time. And it's going to be even harder to recover from that. So mm. I was that girl that didn't know what I wanted and waited on red and all the other things like, and yes. seeking validation from the wrong, seeking validation period, and then seeking them from the wrong people. Um, yeah, exactly. and that began in the last two years, it's, I mean, I'm 31 in the last two years, I finally have learned to like, love myself before someone 30. else. When you turn 30, it just, it just switches. I tell you, like when I turned 30, I was like, oh, I don't you're like, this. I'm done. I'm yeah. good. I'm good. And, and that like, should be attractive. That should be yes. so attractive. Like, why are we not celebrating this? Like, we're not needy. We know what we want. Hello. Thank you. Why do you think I'm asking everything. for it? <laughs> okay, like I'm like, not wasting people's time. And you can provide the life you want for yourself. You just want a companion to be on the journey with yes. you. There we go. That That's is what like I love. key. To get more on our interview with Dr. Monica Shaw, head over to SoSheSlays.com. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And as always, thanks for listening, Slay Nation.